Bible this morning, turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. While you're doing that, let me share with the church. Uh, thank you, cards. Uh, thank you for the lovely Lily. Uh, it uh, has brightened our home. This is Bob and Candy Coleman. Thank you for uh, what you did for uh, Bob's family uh, in his recent passing. And so uh, that uh, nice thank you card uh, that uh, we received. First Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in uh, verse 13. And uh, I want to look at a passage of scripture this morning that... Um, it is very familiar. If you've ever been to a funeral and you actually went from the funeral to the cemetery, uh, you've heard this passage of scripture most likely. It is um, one that has been uh, is typically uh, read uh, at the graveside, especially uh, for uh, a believer. And that um, <clears throat> uh, we uh, have, again, I know I do, and most every funeral I've ever been to. Uh, again, for someone who uh, was uh, considered a, a follower of Christ, uh, this passage would typically be read at the uh, at the graveside. Uh, but honestly, I don't know that I've ever heard it talked much about uh, and uh, taught or preached. Uh, and uh, that just kind of spoke to me uh, about this passage. Uh, in fact, uh, the other week at uh, Bob's funeral. So, uh, did uh, use this passage at the graveside and kind of spoke to me and I began to think about it and uh, pray about it and just kind of study it some and led uh, to uh, our consideration this morning uh, of this passage. And just to summarize it, uh, Paul here writing in the Thessalonians, uh, they have some concerns and some questions uh, and Paul basically uh, tells them just chill out. Uh, Jesus said he was coming, he's going to. Uh, and because of that, you don't have to work. Uh, you don't have to be upset. Uh, you, don't have to, you don't have to have uh, grief. And he, and he says something, you don't have to grieve uh, like those with no hope. Uh, he doesn't say we don't grieve, but he says we grieve differently uh, because of what we believe uh, about the resurrection and the return uh, of Christ. And that's what I want us to uh, look at this morning then, is the realities of the resurrection. Uh, this is uh, a day that uh, many of you, uh, like me, uh, I, I never remember uh, not celebrating Easter. That was just uh, from the time, you know, I don't remember a time from, the, you, know, uh, you know, from being a small child, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, we went to church, we celebrated, you know, we, you know, did all the Easter stuff, um, and, you know, that was just, uh, uh, it's just something that has been part of uh, my life, uh, my entire life. Many of you are, uh, are uh, probably in that uh, same, uh, same vein. Uh, many who don't have any other uh, religious involvement uh, will, uh, Easter is, is a day that uh, typically um, causes people uh, to think something uh, uh, religious, something spiritual, something about Christ. 
but uh, what, uh, what we have in this passage um, is, I think, the so what of Easter. Uh, that's a question that I ask a lot, uh, and uh, I would encourage you maybe to use that yourself uh, as you read your Bible, is so what? Um, you know, it, it says this, but so what? What difference does it make? Uh, what difference does Easter make? What difference does the resurrection uh, of Christ make? And that's what Paul, uh, I think, is addressing uh, to the Thessalonians and uh, you and I uh, as well. So, uh, look at this real again, beginning in verse 13 of chapter 4. And Paul is going to tell us here what uh, has led up uh, to him saying these words. He tells them there, he says, I will not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. And so we need to address, uh, before we really uh, get into uh, the reality part, uh, what led Paul uh, to, uh, to write uh, these words, what uh, was concerning him, uh, what had stirred him, uh, and uh, what had uh, got his uh, attention. And so uh, we see this concern both uh, on Paul's part uh, and on the part of uh, the Thessalonican believers. They were uh, concerned, and uh, again, the, the writers uh, of uh, the New Testament, uh, they believed, as uh, most of us, uh, would believe that the return of Christ uh, was an important truth, that it was something that uh, deserved attention, that it was a, uh, an important matter that uh, they needed to talk about. And, uh, if you go through the New Testament and uh, you count up, uh, depending on how you count and what you count, uh, you will come across about 318 different places uh, that in some way uh, mention uh, the, uh, the second coming, the return uh, of Christ. To put that in perspective, uh, there are only 260 chapters uh, in the New Testament. So uh, the return of Christ is mentioned at least once every chapter uh, when, you, when you consider uh, that math. It actually, it works out uh, to be about once every 25 verses uh, you will have some mention. Now, if you go and you, now, now don't hope, if you go and count 25 verses, you may not find it. If, I'm saying it works out to that, okay? Average, uh, every 25 verses, something uh, is mentioned uh, about uh, the return of Christ. In fact, in the Old Testament even, uh, even though much of the Old Testament uh, is prophesying and foretelling the first coming uh, of Jesus Christ, there is actually more prophecy in the Old Testament regarding the second coming of Jesus Christ than there is the first coming. It was an extremely important uh, issue uh, for uh, the uh, for the new for the new church New Testament church and even uh, for the Old Testament uh, believers and what we have here uh, is uh, is a great word from Paul uh, that is taking uh, really if you look at it it's taking John chapter fourteen and, and he is expounding and explaining uh, John chapter fourteen uh, where Jesus says I will. Uh, come again. 
and they're matched here by Paul saying in this passage, uh, the Lord himself shall descend with a shout. And so uh, John says the Lord will come again. Paul takes and amplifies it a bit, and, and he says he will come again, and he will come uh, with a shout. Uh, again, in John chapter 14, uh, he says, John says, uh, Jesus Jesus said, John reported uh, the word, he says, I will receive you unto myself. Here uh, we have Paul's words that say, then we which remain shall be gathered up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so, uh, again, John uh, records for us the words of Christ, and then Paul uh, takes and uh, exemplifies and expands them uh, just a, a little bit more. Jesus says that where I am, there you may be also. Uh, Paul says, so shall we be together forever with the Lord. And so Paul is just uh, expounding. Paul, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18, is Paul's sermon based on John chapter 14, is what, uh, what it amounts to. He's taking uh, the words of Christ and uh, exemplifying. And uh, Jesus then finishes his statement uh, by saying, Let not your heart be troubled. And Paul finishes his by saying, We don't grieve like those with no hope. And so, uh, again, this is just Paul's uh, sermon based on uh, these uh, these words. And Paul, again, finishes with those words, Wherefore, comfort uh, one another with these words. And so he's uh, just expanding that. Why are you doing that? Well, the Thessalonians, like uh, everybody else, uh, like most people today, even still, if you were to announce uh, that you were having some kind of conference or something uh, dealing and, and uh, speaking about uh, the second coming of the Lord, you typically uh, can get some interest. You can have people uh, who want to hear uh, that conversation. I haven't uh, checked, but I would dare say uh, that's probably one of the uh, number one categories uh, of Christian books that are being released, or books uh, that are being written about the return of the Lord. That's uh, an extremely uh, popular uh, topic. And the Thessalonians, had, uh, they, they, were, they were discouraged, they were upset, they were uh, hungry uh, that Paul would have been able to stay and teach them more. Well, it's been a while. And so uh, time has begun to pass, and they haven't seen Jesus. Uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, a kid looking for Christmas. Uh, you know, the you know, time for a child from about Thanksgiving to, to Christmas, time for a child moves, you know, like molasses in, in January. Just, you know, extremely slow. Uh, you know, uh, it's nothing like, you know, from, you know when, from June to August when school's out, you know, those of you who can remember that, uh, you know, June to August, like, blink your eyes and I'm back in school already. From Thanksgiving to Christmas, it's like, oh, yeah, is, is that clock even running? Yeah, it's like, you know, it, it's like after lunch at work and you start watching the clock, waiting for five o'clock. And you work for like, you come back from lunch and you work for like three and a half hours and you look at the clock and it's one third. You know, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? 
Well, that's the way time was running for the Thessalonians. They were, you know, every day they, they walked right up and they walked and they looked up to see, you know, that Paul's words about to return uh, of Christ had they, uh, they come about. And what had happened, like, uh, you know, like a lot of children, uh, again, with that Christmas, you know, a lot of times uh, kids begin to think Christmas is not ever coming. Yeah, I know they said Christmas comes after Thanksgiving, but I don't think it's ever coming. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't you know. It doesn't seem like it's ever going to get here. But that's the way these people were about the return of Christ. Paul said, you know, Paul said Christ was returning. And, and I've used this illustration before. Uh, I heard about a, a man giving a devotion to a uh, class of special needs children. And, and he was talking uh, about the return of Christ. That Christ would return one day. He was going to come in the sky and call his people home. And he told them that all the children in the class jumped up and ran to the window and looked out. They thought he meant now. Yeah, that, 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 that's the best one I can for that word. When Paul talked about the return of Christ, they went to the window. You know, they began to work, and now uh, they began to doubt. And people, uh, some of their friends and family had uh, began to doubt. And, and they, you know, they thought, wait, wait a minute, we thought Jesus was coming back. Now uh, our friends, our family, they started dying. And, and they, well, you know, we're confused. What happened uh, to the return of Christ? Have I, have I loved ones? Have they missed it? Yeah, uh, well, you know, what about them? We, we buried them, and now, now Jesus hasn't come. Are they going to uh, miss the, uh, the return of Christ? And, and certainly they were bombarding uh, their young pastor Timothy with questions. Uh, you know, what in the world is uh, going on? And, and, you know, probably Timothy himself being relatively uh, young and, and, and new in, in, the, in the ministry was probably going you know, y'all are used to that around here. You know, you ask me questions, I don't know. They had everybody know Timothy was probably, you know, kind of getting bombarded himself. And what they wanted, what they desired, was a word from Paul. Paul, they wanted Paul to say, just hold on at 12.30, March the... They didn't use March, but bear with me. 12.30, March the 14th, you need to be out in the yard ready to go. And that's what they were wanting. That's literally what they were wanting from Paul. They wanted a date. They wanted a time. They wanted to know, you know, when is, is the bus time? You know, what time can we expect the return of Christ? And again, they were, part of that was because they were concerned about the, the, their dead friends and family. They were concerned about was it even really uh, going to happen? Was there ever going to be... Um, uh, was he ever coming? And, and you have to remember one thing. The church of Thessalonica was new. Yeah. It, it, it was not just a new church, which it was, but it was a new church when the church was new. You know, they didn't have a whole lot of history to go on. They didn't have a whole lot of, you know, old saints to, uh, to, to go and ask. Uh, you know, around here, if you got a theological question, you got a couple people that you know have been serving God for a long time, been studying the Word of God for a while, and you go to them and you ask them a question and try to help get it cleared up. They didn't have that. They were, you know, they were thoroughly confused. On top of that, they were being persecuted left and right. I mean, they were uh, being executed. They were being imprisoned. Uh, they were under hideous uh, attack for their faith. And so they genuinely uh, 
wanted Jesus to come and, and to get them out of there uh, and get them out uh, of that mess. Again, being martyred, being executed uh, for their faith. And so these people, you know, I hear people all the time today who say, man, I sure wish Jesus would hurry up and come back. You know, I sure wish you don't know anything until you've been a festival I can believe. You know, where, where you just might get your head cut off. You might get stoned. You might get burned at the stake. You, know, you don't know what might happen because you are a believer. You couldn't go, you know, you might not be able to go to the store and buy groceries uh, because you were a believer. You might get kicked out of uh, your family. You might be ostracized uh, from your family because uh, you had professed Christ and you were uh, telling people uh, about Jesus Christ. And so their concern here... Uh, uh, was, will this resurrected Christ actually return? And because of where they were, because they were questioning the return, you know that that ultimately led to, since he hasn't come back, does that mean he even really was resurrected? Think about it. Wouldn't that be the natural flow of things? You know, that if somebody's teaching you that Christ was resurrected from the dead, and now he's going to be with the Father, but he's going to come back and get us, and he hasn't come back to get us, then I have to question the next. Is he really going to be with the Father? And if he hasn't really going to be with the Father, is he really resurrected? Or like some people are saying, did the disciples hide the blood? Can you see the problem the Thessalonians had? Their heart was troubled. When Paul says, let not your heart be troubled, or when Christ says in John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled, he could have specifically directed that to this group of believers as they were genuinely concerned. Now, let's look at how Paul responds to that situation. And that situation is important for us today because we still live in, even today, we live in a time where I'm sure, like I have, I've heard people questioning whether or not Christ is really coming back. I've seen several uh, videos of interviews of people uh, just this week uh, of people who were on the street were confronting Christians and, and they were having a, a, a discussion about how do we really know uh, that Jesus was crucified? How do we really know uh, that the resurrection happened? And they were uh, having that conversation. And so look what Paul says beginning in verse 14. Here we get down to the, the, the nitty-gritty of what I said, the reality of, of the resurrection. Paul says in the King James Version, he says in verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died, now, let me stop right there and say something. Paul says, King James says, uh, the King James Version says, For if we believe, which you and I all know the power of the word if. Uh, if is a big word. Let me uh, translate that word for you uh, and, and give you a much more accurate word for you and I today. Uh, I'm not questioning the, the Bible. I'm just trying to make it, uh, again, King James Version was done uh, in uh, 1611. I'm trying, I'm trying this morning to make it 2023 for you, okay? He says, for if we believe, 
Anybody in here uh, who has a version, uh, a copy of the scripture that is anything other than King James, I'm going to guess, I didn't check them all, but I'm going to guess it says this, for since we believe. For since we believe. You do see there is a world of difference in saying for if we believe and for since we believe. But what Paul said, what Paul wrote in his original letter, when the Thessalonians received it, what they would have read was, for since we believe. They wouldn't have read it the way we do in English, for if we believe. They would have read for since we believe. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also that sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. This we say to you by the word of the Lord. Does that sound like Paul is saying if anything? This we say to you by the word of the Lord. That's not an if statement. That's a sense statement. That's a because statement. I'm saying this based on the word of the Lord. That we which are alive and remain in the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. You do see that Paul, that the, the, the word if for you and I is an unfortunate understanding. Paul wasn't saying if anything. Paul was saying because we believe, since we believe, that Jesus Christ was crucified and rose again, then we do believe that he will resurrect those which have died. We do believe that he will come again. We do believe that he will come with the voice of an archangel. We know that he's going to come and gather his people home. Paul was not a hope so, if so, preacher. Paul said we believe these facts. For Paul, the if was not a doubt. For Paul, it was an absolute belief. It was an absolute fact. There was no question, no doubt whatsoever in his mind that Jesus Christ was going to return. That Jesus Christ did die on the cross. That Jesus Christ did lay in a tomb for three days and three nights. That on that third day, on that first resurrection Sunday, the stone was rolled back and he walked out victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And that was not a hope so, a think so, a maybe so with Paul. That was a fact. Paul believed that. That was what changed Paul's life was that truth and that belief. Since we believe. Again, Paul says, and, and, and the word, again, you have to go back and you have to spend more time studying in Greek than anybody in here wants to. Uh, but uh, Paul, the, the word that he uses, it, it, it means a hypothesis established by fact. Uh, and again, there's four different ways that that same word uh, is used in the Greek New Testament, and it's, it's considered four different classes of the word. And this is what is known as the first class use of that word, and it means sense. I, 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 I guess if you want to go back and, and study it yourself, great, fine, and dandy, or you can trust me. Yeah, it means sense. Paul was convinced 
Listen, and because of that, he says, the bedrock, the foundation of everything that we have, everything that we are, everything that we believe are consumed in that little statement, Jesus died and rose again. He says that is the foundation of everything else. That is all that we do. There is not a fact greater in all of history than he died and rose again. Nothing. You can't point to anything that has occurred. You can't drag out your history book. You can't drag out your memories. You can't bring up anything. We'll have a fact war and we'll go back and forth. You can name your fact. And I'm going to stand here and say, Jesus Christ died and rose again. Talk that. And I'll give you all that to gather a crowd. Jesus Christ died and rose again. Nothing in history is more important as a greater fact. The great Bible scholar, I love John Phillips, great man of God. God brought him and delivered him from England to North Carolina before he died. Great man. He wrote this. He said, No evidence exists for the resurrection of Christ than for the conquest of Britain by Julius Caesar. More evidence exists for the resurrection of Jesus Christ than the conquest of Britain by Julius Caesar. Acts chapter 26, the Bible tells us there, for the king, Paul right there, says, for the king knows of these things before whom I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. Paul says, the resurrection of Jesus Christ wasn't done in secret. I said something last week, I don't remember how, how I put it, but I, I remember making a statement somewhere along this line, that if you had four witnesses, four credible witnesses, who came forward and testified against you in a court of law, you, my friend, are going to jail. I want to tell you something. There are witness after witness after witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I am one. I met him when I was headed down to capture Christians, to arrest Christians, and to bring them back, and to kill them, to have them prosecuted and persecuted and executed for their faith. He says, I met him on that road. The light shone round about me. And he says, I have never been the same. I know, not an if, but a sense we believe that Jesus Christ is alive. Paul, in that passage in the book of Acts, is talking uh, to Festus and King Agrippa. And he tells them, listen, this thing wasn't done in the corner. He said, this is public knowledge. Jesus didn't slip out the back door of the tomb. He didn't sneak out. You know how those of you who watched Andy Griffith, you remember when him and, uh, uh, not Thelma Lou, that's been bad news. Martin has been mad. What was his girlfriend's name? Helen. 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 You remember what they did? They kept digging and found the back door out of the cave. Jesus didn't find the back door out of the tomb. He rolled the stone out and came out the front door. Victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Listen, Paul says, this wasn't done in the corner. Listen, it's the one fact of faith that no one has been able to assess. 
No one's been able to come against the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They tried to say over the years that the disciples must have stolen his body and carried it away. Okay. Here's the problem with that theory. Those 11 remaining disciples all died for preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I just don't think that something they knew was a lie, all 11 of them would have allowed themselves to be martyred and executed for preaching. If he wasn't, what to do with the body? Surely sooner or later, they'd have found it. If they would have, somebody would have carried it away, wouldn't there be a memorial somewhere? No. You've got witness after witness after witness. Paul himself says, I saw the risen Christ. Since we believe. Again, uh, John Phillips, uh, again, I go back uh, to, to him. Uh, again, he, he, write, he writes some wonderful words uh, about this particular passage. He talks about hearing about a, uh, a refuge, uh, refugee pastor who got out of Nazi Germany and had came and made it to Britain and uh, was, in, uh, was giving his testimony and telling about how he had been saved, how he had been uh, transformed. He was a very uh, well-known figure in, uh, in, in Germany and, and was well-known uh, to the Nazis. And, and they knew him very well. And, and he told how uh, on one occasion he had attended uh, a great big Nazi rally there uh, where the speaker uh, had stood up and, and just launched in, as you can imagine, in Nazi Germany to this massive tirade against the Jewish people and had began to, uh, to do that. And when he, he, he looked and he noticed and he spotted this pastor uh, was gathered in the audience and he picked him out and he tried to, was going to try to humiliate him. He called him up and he said, uh, Pastor Schultz, he said, you're a fool. Imagine anyone leaving a crucified, dead Jew. The pastor jumped to his feet. He said, I should indeed be a fool if I believe in a crucified and dead Jew. But I believe in a risen, living Son of God. It's all the difference in the world. All the difference in the world. What is the reality of Easter? Paul says, since we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. Specifically speaking to the Thessalonians, he says, since we believe, we shouldn't be concerned about our loved ones who have already passed away. Since we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can believe that our loved ones will be resurrected, that they will be called up, that they will be raised first, he says. But I want to say to you this morning that if the Thessalonians, because they believe, can have that kind of confidence, surely to goodness, then the resurrection of Jesus Christ, since we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the Thessalonians could have faith and confidence in Paul, can you think of anything greater than saying that Jesus Christ will resurrect your dead family and friends? 
Can you think of any demonstration of the power of Jesus Christ that is any more magnificent than the resurrection? Since we believe in that, is there any reason for us not to be able to trust Him with the day-to-day cares of life? We can believe that he's going to resurrect and bring and gather up mama, daddy, brother, sister, grandma, grandpa. Cemetery's going to give up the dead. Ocean's going to give up its dead. Believers from everywhere are going to be gathered up when Jesus returns. And since I believe that, and I have no doubt, no question of that truth. Because Jesus has already proven he has a father over death. Since I believe he has that kind of power, shouldn't I believe and have confidence in him to help me deal with that cranky boss at work? Shouldn't I have belief If I believe that Jesus Christ can resurrect the dead, shouldn't I believe that Jesus Christ can change the life of my wayward child? Shouldn't I believe that Jesus Christ can deal with whatever that doctor's report is? Shouldn't I believe that Jesus Christ can help me find a better job? Shouldn't I be able, since we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, shouldn't It changes. Shouldn't, not just every Sunday, but shouldn't every day that our eyes come away, shouldn't every day that God wakes us from our sleep, shouldn't we roll out and say, since I believe He was dead and rose again, I can face the future. We sang it a moment ago, didn't we? Because he lives, I can face the future. Because that's exactly what Paul said. I never thought about it before. Bill Davis stole that from Paul. Because he lives, since he lives, I can face the future. Shouldn't Easter, shouldn't the resurrection transform the way we approach every aspect of our life? I think so. Look what Paul says in the final verse. That the comfort that should give us. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. Since we believe Christ was dead, and he rose, and he's coming again, that should give us comfort for ourselves. That should bring us peace that passes all understanding. Because we believe, since we believe. What, what comforting words those are. When he says, again, we read them pretty much at every funeral. No other world religion not the Muslims, not the Buddhists, 
See, then when you go home today, stop by the Buddhist temple and get your Bible out and ask them, say, you got anything like this in your book? You know what they're going to do? They're going to read it and go, no, we don't have anything like that in our book. I don't know if any of you pastor uh, the Muslim temple or not. Let him ask them. You got anything like this in your book? Nobody else, not another religion in the world, has anything like this. Comfort one another with these words. He was dead, and he rose again. And we know he's coming again. None of their founders came back from the dead. Drop by the Mormon temple up in Shady Brook. Run by there. Ask them. Got anything like that? Joe Smith promised to come back. And enough, we haven't heard from him in a while. Nothing compares to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it should mean to you and I. That blessed hope that he talks about. Comfort one another with these words. God doesn't give Paul at that time the details and the, the schedule. He just says comfort one another with these words. That just as sure as that tomb is empty. One day he's coming again. One day he'll return. There's no need for discouragement. There's no reason for fear. No reason for sorrow. No reason for grief. No reason. Paul started out by saying, don't, I don't want you to be ignorant. No reason to be ignorant of the truth. The Lord himself has given us a blessed hope. Since we believe he was dead and rose again, comfort one another with those words. I want to ask you to bow your head this morning. And I have a very, very pertinent question for this Resurrection Sunday, April the 9th, 2023, for you. Everybody in here, heads bowed, no one's looking around. I want you to think about this question. Does the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the promised return of Jesus Christ, bring you comfort or concern? Does it bring you comfort or concern? Put another way, if he returns today, are you ready? Do you know him as your Savior? If you don't, let me encourage you to come I'll show you from God's Word very clearly and plainly how you can be saved today. So you can be comforted with these words. If you're joining us online this morning, I wish you'd reach out, give me a call, email, whatever you need to do. Be glad to talk to you.
and tell you how you can know Jesus Christ. Comfort one another with these words. Are you comfortable or concerned? Many of you have been in church your whole life. But there's a difference in being in a church and being a believer. You can be in a lake and not be a fish. You can be in a church and not be a follower of Jesus Christ. Do you know Him personally as your Lord and Savior? Since we believe, you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross, you believe He was resurrected on the third day, if you believe that, have you asked Him into your heart as your Savior? Believers, you need to come this morning and kneel and say, Lord, since I believe, I know you died, you were resurrected, and you're coming again. Let every day be Easter Sunday in my life. Since I believe, let the world see a change in me. Father, thank you this morning for your word. For allowing us together here today. God, we thank you for the confidence we can have today. God, that confidence should transform us. Since we believe. God, believers in this room, let, them, let us have a burden, let us have a heart. But because we believe in the resurrection, that our friends and faith see you working and changing and transforming our lives. But God, most of all, there's one here today in this room. No matter how long they've been in church or how long it's been since they've been in church. God, if they don't know you personally today, God, I pray that you'd stir their heart. God, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ would transform them. And they too could say, since I believe, I am confident. That's who stand again.
wonderful Easter. Uh, let me just uh, encourage you this morning. Uh, I, I know most of you will be gathering with the family, uh, but if you are going out to eat um, and you're going into a restaurant, uh, there's servers and cashiers and cooks that had to work on Easter Sunday. And I don't assume most of you are going to go home and change clothes. It's important to be able to look at you and see probably went to church. Since you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, be nice to the person that brings you the food. Just uh, well. Um, be nice. Uh, they might look like you've been in God's house too. They might make a decision about uh, about Christ based on uh, how their interaction with Christian is today in, in the restaurant. Some of them are gathering with your family, and you've got family and loved ones that don't know Christ. Um, remember that uh, as you gather. Um, they're going to be watching. They're gonna, they, they know that they're, they're going to be watching. And then finally, as I look around this group on Easter Sunday morning, great crowd, glad to see all of them, and most everybody in here belongs to Alright? So that means next Sunday, when it's not Easter, we'll see you at 10 o'clock next Sunday. Alright? Listen, well, just miss some breakfast. Yep, you know, I'm going to listen to you. I'm sorry. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so, so much that you did come out of that grave, dear Lord, for us. Thank you so much for today. And please, dear Heavenly Father, just let everyone just love their family and, and even ask the waitress that what can we pray for in your precious name. We pray. And love you, Lord. Amen.